Today on our show, we are returning to our much loved format, the top 10 last 10, with thanks to the geniuses at Cine Realist for the idea. Let's go, Polly. Welcome to episode shit. What number is it, Paul? Four, four, three. Four, four, three of the Countdown Podcast. My name's Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the show. We count down stuff in order of awesome so you don't have to. And of course, if you're here for a top 10 last 10 show, a staple of the podcast over the last eight and a half years, you know today we are counting down 10 of our most recent watches. Well, not the most recent, but 10 of our recent watches that we've yet to talk about on the show from worst to best. Oh, yeah. This comes, the idea comes from Sydney Realist Podcast. Do check out. James and Zach and Kyle with their version of the same. In fact, their original version of the same. So there you are. Big shout out there to those Pioneers. fine, fine gentlemen. So yeah, Wayne always struggles with this, even though he's had 13 weeks to watch 10 extra films. Time management has been an issue for me my entire life, <laughs> and uh, frankly, it's winning. <laughs> <laughs> but these things happen. Anvil falling on Wayne, big rock falling across Wayne meme. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm the coyote. What are you going to do? So, yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, hopefully, to give you recommendations on what to avoid and what to watch, because that's what happens on these lists. We start at the worst, we work our way up to the best, because nothing else links these films together other than what we think are the worst to the very best. Mm-hmm. And we'll let you know the point we cross that line between we're not recommending to we are. Absolutely. Recommending the whole shtick of the show. Now, no recount this week. Yep. Because I'm in the middle of America. Doesn't okay. sound like it. Nope, no. Nope. I know Paul, it doesn't. When you hear this, Paul will be tripping the late fantastic in the new in, in, in states. If I'm not mistaken, the day this episode drops, I'll be in San Francisco. Frisco, I love that city, although I've heard a lot of bad things lately. Well, we'll find out. I will be reporting back and maybe to the patrons, but I'll do a bit of a Paul's done oh, the Oh, US that'd be great. How about a live trip? update? <laughs> maybe Cutting not live. Paul from fucking, you know, I don't know, the Mission District in San Francisco. I intend to get out to the cinemas a couple of times, maybe catch a couple of IMAX films. And of course, I watch a lot of stuff on a lot of long, long plane flights. 40X, 40X, 40X. Come on, go to a 40X <laughs> thing and tell me what it's like, gun. So there'll be a bit of a report back from my adventure to where many of you good listeners make your home. So yeah, look, yeah. looking forward to that. Now, that does mean that, so what's going to happen is this. You've already heard a classic episode of the show. There'll be one more classic episode the week following this. There'll be no reviews, of course, through this month of the show. So... Yes, our numbers will tank and we'll drop out of whatever rankings and the way we are, but we decided that was better than the show folding. So hopefully you will understand and be accommodating of that. And then we're back. The next episode, new episode of the show, and we'll be back into normal routine. We'll be dropping episode 444 will drop on, if I get my math right here, 17th of October. Well done, old man. I could never have done that in my head. So Australian time, that is, we'll resume weekly countdowns and reviews at that point, even though the writer's strike may be working even harder against us by that point in time. We'll work it out. So there you go. So thank you for your patience and I hope you've enjoyed these classic episodes, which you, the, the listeners, have voted on in the Facebook community. Links in the show notes to get involved in all important things about the countdown there. And without any further ado, then let's do this way in our top 10 last 10 on the other side of this music cue. Top 10 last Paul is in the USA edition. Oh, that was a really long echo. The subject this week's canon. You just approved it off mic, you son of a bitch. 
Take us away, Wayne. What's your number 10, the worst film that you've seen that you want to tell slash warn our good listeners about? Okay, so this was a whimsical view or decision that I Whoops. made. Whoops! Uh, but Paul, you may be surprised to, understand, or to, to hear that it's a horror comedy. The fuck? Yeah. Although, it, it at number it's 10. It's at number 10, so don't get excited, okay? Uh, this, <laughs> all right, here we go. Little touchy-feely, but here we go. The film is called The Blackening. <laughs> I have that horror on my list. Oh my god! <laughs> what? All right, fine. Oh my god. All right. Okay, you know what? I guess that makes sense. I'm going to have a problem, but you'll have it higher up on your list. Holy shit. <laughs> All right, everyone, just so you Get know. Get chilling, you smart. All right, The Blackening is a, a... Here we go. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be interested in what Paul's actually... Bitches leave. <laughs> all right. It is an African-American horror comedy. All of the characters uh, in it are African-American. It's African an African-American American comedy horror. It's not very scary. Okay, comedy it's horror. It's playing for the laughs. Yes, there is one white guy in it who is the dude from Drew Carey Show. Now, okay. <laughs> A long way up my list. Here's what. Oh my god, Paul! What's wrong with you? All right, fine. Listen, I can't understand this already. So there you go. We're off for the bang. Now, <laughs> didn't take long today. I saw the trailer, right? And I'm like, this looks pretty funny because it is obviously African American white jokes, black jokes, whatever, right? Yeah. And I'm down with that. I, I, I had, I, I, you know, I listened to a lot of rap with my cousins when I was younger. I love stuff. the tagline of this movie. Yes, we can't all die first. Exactly. <laughs> now that's why it's funny, okay? And that's why I jumped on it. I'm like, this could be great, but I was wrong. Although Paul may disagree. Now, it's about seven friends, all African-American, who go away for the weekend and they end up trapped in a cabin with a killer who has a vendetta and they got to play this game, which is... Like Jumanji. It's like Jumanji, but it's a question game and if you get it wrong, people die. Things like that. And uh, I think the tagline says, will their street smarts and knowledge of horror movies help them stay alive? Probably not. (laughs) So, okay. First of all, I recognize maybe 1.5 people here. Uh, they, That's oh, fine. In the opening, Jay Farrow, who was who you may remember from a TV show called White Famous, or he was also in like I think SNL or something like that. Very funny guy. Does a lot of impressions and stuff. Quite good. I found that the movie was it did have about four laughs. Four laughs. Uh, right? I would reckon I laughed at least three times as many times. Okay. Now the, here's the thing. I think I was never that, scared. I was never no, no, horrified. I, even I was never scared, yeah, Paul. Yeah, okay, good. And I'm a pussy. So. so I very, very reluctantly put this on my horror movies watch this year because every every genre thing says comedy horror. I'm like, yeah. Well, what I guess... So first of all, on the comedy front, not funny enough to be a comedy, but I guess it is a horror, so sh- okay, okay. Yeah, you know? I, that's where I came at it from. I thought it was, fu- it was funny enough for a comedy horror, well, hence a middling grade from me. What I believe would be have appealed to you and then been lost on me was the fact that they do reference horror tropes all the time all the time which you would have recognized and i was like is that so you know so for that reason i'm like okay fine now and they had they had the uh <laughs> the character in the one i thought you would very closely identify with the player who's no longer a player but everyone thinks is still a player i guess so but i mean like what i was <laughs> i mean not so much what i was laughing at more was one i i'm learning things from this to me for example in this movie as this movie would have you believe uh, African-American folks never use Android phones. Uh, <laughs> and in, in that regard, we're very similar. Right. Um, and, so, and also, uh, they were having this entire conversation and the, the game said, okay, which one of you is the blackest pick room? And then and they're sort of like, so what do you mean by black? Actually physically black? Or it's like, you know, do, do I fucking, you know, whatever. Uh, and that was a really funny scene as well. And one particular question that they asked, which I thought was really great, was like, Name five black actors that appeared on the TV show Friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I paused it at that stage and said, can I remember five? Oh, so you paused it. I didn't have that option, Wayne. 
really? Did you? Was it in the movies? No, I'm saying like they didn't have the option. Oh, to they didn't. The but characters. I just wanted to know for myself. And I remember that you know Ross and Joey once fought over that African American Aisha Tyler, and then Phil Lewis was Chandler's boss. You don't need to agent. do it now. Okay, fine. <laughs> anyway, I loved it. Uh, sorry, I loved that question. But as a rule, the f- the film was shit. But those other okay, I I disagree. I think the film. Please is, tell me why it was good. Just basically, it's funny enough. It's it's not overly unpredictable after the last after the first half an hour. Things are established. The guy that you think is probably involved is involved. Those kinds of things, but. To keep it other than lighter for spoilers beyond that, it was fine. Like I, I expected more. I have to be honest, but it, I, it should have been funnier. Yeah, I, I thought this had the potential to be absolutely hilarious. I did too. But I did laugh that ten to twelve times. I did watch it. Maybe it has helped. If I'm really honest. I think what it I was, watched it yeah. on a plane over to for a short holiday to Melbourne a couple of months ago. Oh, the and plane. So I was in a good mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and plane. And I was really like wanting to enjoy it. It was a short flight, you know, only four hours, give or take. So, yeah, I, I had fun with the blackening and I would recommend it as long as you're down for exactly what you've described. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also the plane is a factor or as I call it, the emotional deprivation tank <laughs> because you're just sitting there with this little screen and you're in the air and you can't leave. So you gotta, you know, it's better. Anyway, fair enough. I'm interested that you watched it. I was going to hopefully surprise you with it, but you were like, no, it's on my list. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's a shame, but... Fair enough. Like it's the kind of film which didn't quite make our list to to review formally. No shit, I didn't even know it existed. I don't I even know if it made a, a theatrical release here in Australia. Obviously, it did in the states. I doubt very much that because it yeah, it's it's really playing to a localized audience at that particular level. And yeah, it's again, I think it's fun that the African American tropes are really being played up. For oh no, I, films, I, so. I did laugh at that. So again, but just not the horror stuff. But right. there you are. There we are. Wayne hated it. I thought it was solid, solid, you're, solid film. You're number ten, Paul. My number ten. All right. Okay. Here we go. Cheap plug time. Bring it. My number 10 is inarguably one of the very worst pieces of shit fucking films I've ever seen. Without a doubt. It's not something like a plug so far. Arguably <laughs> in the worst 10 films of all time that I've ever sat through. Wow. It's a 1983 film directed by David A. Pryor. It's called Sledgehammer. All right. <laughs> yep. What, 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 what? And the trailer will have you believe this is the first shot on video horror film ever made. Wrong. Wrong. It makes that claim. It's the second shot on video <laughs> film ever, horror film ever made. And the reference to it is now it's shot on shittio because it's a shitty film. It's a really, really fucking shitty film. Is that a and here is why it's a plug. It is one of the films that I've reviewed and Jason has reviewed. <sighs> and by the time this is this has come out, I can now reveal Megan from Spoiler Piece Theatre has reviewed as part of our new podcast limited series called the Slashes. The Slashes. The Slashes podcast is now out. We, by the time this drops, we'll be a couple of weeks in. You know Megan's a part of it. This is from 1983. So I'm giving you a preview of the 1983 episode. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> I want to try to impart to you, the audience, and you, Wayne, mm. my co-host here today, my best mate, how bad this film is. Tell me. The film starts with a mother... Literally thrusting her her son into a locked room so she can fuck some dude. Right. Okay. And then someone with a sledgehammer murders the mother and the, the dude lover. Yep. And we are now I can't remember what it says. Years in the future, oh. and a group of seven friends or whatever. They're meant to be teenagers. If they're teenagers, I'm fucking 25. Uh uh They are all in their mid-20s, if not late 20s, and they go to this house. They've hired out for a weekend away, getaway. Uh It's the usual shit, except it's so bad. Okay, this film is 87 minutes long. 
a good 20 minutes of it is in slow-mo. Oh, God. For no reason. Wait, so video slow-mo? Slow-mo? Video slow-mo. Uh, 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 yep. Really? Video slow-mo of a hand opening a doorknob. Oh, shit. And turning the doorknob and pulling the door towards them. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. If it was shot in 1983 on video, we're talking super VHS. Yeah. Or fucking Betamax tops. Po- possibly. It what? looks so bad. The acting is so terrible. You can't slow-mo shit in the 80s this, on video. This guy, David A. Pryor, would go on to do a lot of really shit like Rambo clones called Deadly Prey. And his brother is the star of the film, Ted Pryor. Uh-huh. No one can act. Right. The film is completely nonsensical. Turns out the ghost of the boy is doing the murders, but the ghost can meta transform metamorphosize, I was going to yeah, say, yeah. from being a kid with a holding a sledgehammer to being this hulking brute of a guy who swings the sledgehammer, <laughs> who can then transport people into a room and then murder them. While, oh, so shit. There is an early moment in the film where Ted Pryor and his girlfriend in the film, Joni, they are walking across the backyard and we're meant to be displaying they're in love because it really matters to this fucking film they're in love. Sure. And there is no shit of a lie, three and a half minute slow-mo panning shot of them just walking, talk. We can't hear anything. Three it's and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes, Wayne. Fuck. The gore is non-existent. The characters are so terrible. There is a, literally a two-minute food fight scene because they're all friends and they have food fights when they're away. Two minutes. It's so fucking... This is what we commonly refer to in the industry as a backyard job. This film is 100% worse than Reap. Oh, my God. 100%. The acting's on par. The story of Reap is hangs together way better, and it's shot way better. For the this uninitiated, film fucking sucks. For the uninitiated, uh, Reap is a movie that Paul and I and a few other friends made at the age of twenty-three. Yep. It is also shot on video, yep. but super, super VHS. VHS. Uh, we had boom mics. We had a crane that we made. Yep. I'm not saying it's good. No, it's not. But it's but we than took this. like we took a long time, and it had a five thousand dollar budget. If I'm not mistaken, Paul, uh, two thousand, two thousand dollar, which budget. would have been way less than this piece of shit. Yeah, Sledgehammer yeah. is one of the worst all time films ever made. Good luck to you if you can find it. In fact, you can see it for free on YouTube. Oh, really? There's your deal. There's your. There you go. Okay, fair enough. Wow, that sounds like a bag of dicks. Fair enough. Well done. My number nine. I think some people may call this harsh, but I had this is where I got there. I. I am a fan of some Wes Anderson films, Paul. Oh, I haven't seen this yet. Yeah, Asteroid City. Oh. Now, look, I'm sure you'll like it better than me. The aforementioned James from Cine Realists. I just listened to his last top 10 last and his shout on this film as well. Dude, let me tell you. Really? Because listen to this, right? First of all, check out this this cast, okay? Brian Kranz. Uh, Ed <laughs> Did you Norton, say the fucking name? Brian Cranston and Edward Norton. Tom Hanks, Willem Dafoe, Adrian Brody, Scarjo, Tilda Swinton, Margot Robbie, Matt Dillon, Steve Carell, Jeffrey Wright. Amazing. Amazing, right? So everyone wants to work with Anthony Anderson, and I get it because here's the thing, Paul. Remember Grand Budapest Hotel? Very good. Every in that movie, every frame, I'm enchanted as a viewer. I'm good like, oh look at it. this, and I'm laughing at Ray Fiennes, and it's a charming story. Even the little train and shit, like loved all that. What now, was the one last year, the year before? I quite like that one too. Uh, the Didn't paper mind one, the the um yes. the one about newspapers. I can't yes. remember what it's called. Anyway, this one. Now I will tell you this: the bits that are supposed to be Wes Andersonian are beautiful. Because it is shot in a very washed out... It's set in the 1950s, I guess. It's like Um, an alien landing thing. Alien landing thing, right? And what it does is um, it starts with like Ed Norton on stage giving stage directions. And it cuts between black and white people on stage and then to the actual film, which is produced, right? But what's weird is that the bit that's on stage is them working out the stage play, even though it's on stage. So I guess it's meta. But then they cut to the scene and the scene is actually in a film. Again, he is a true auteur. 
because it looks great. Yeah, there's no doubt that he has a style. You can spot his shit a mile away. I even don't know how he films this stuff because like his camera, get this, it doesn't pan, it doesn't dolly, it doesn't cant, it trucks, Paul. It trucks. Okay. Now, when you, uh, for anyone who doesn't know this, a dolly is when it's on rails going forward and back. A truck is when it's on rails going left and right. Okay. The camera's trucking. Um, Scorsese uses a bit of that. Yeah, he does. But every shot in this is that. So they pan across whatever. I don't know how he films it. I like it. It's look that, maintaining focus must be really tough. Oh, it, it's definitely like again. But here's the thing though, because it cuts between the black and white and the it, and the and the, the color and everything, it is so jarring and it doesn't really make sense. I would say that the style of the color stuff is 1950s techno futurism, like sort of space race type imagery. <laughs> Just make that shit up because that's really, that's really technical. No, I think that's actually a genre. Okay. I've actually, I've, but um, it, but because it flits back and forth, it gets tedious, Paul. And it becomes like the humor and the uniqueness of the scenes in color do work, but then it gets annoying when it comes back to, to, to black and white. And you're like, and they, they kind of very disjointed, like literally as an audience member, you have to unwrap the layers of this and it's too tedious to keep you interested. Mm. There are some movies like that where you're engaged the whole time and you can't wait for the end. This isn't that. I thought it fell out of it about two thirds in or even halfway in. And it was, yeah, it's too shifty. It did not work, if you ask me. Okay. So because I expected so much, and it came so little, mm. here's number nine. Fair enough. Wow, that's really low. But all right, I will probably watch this while no, I'm No, still, still look at it because the shit that's I'll probably watch this by the time we're talking about it, but I can't talk about it now because I haven't watched this. There you go. <laughs> all, right. all right, number nine is also going to ruffle a few feathers. It is the latest film from Pixar, which I and my daughter were both disappointed by. It's Elemental, directed by Peter Son. Oh, I've heard of this. This is the one where... It's an environment in which fire and water and wind and earth all kind of commingle. They're kind of a different species, the, the elements. And this is just really, really by the numbers, Elemental. What's it about? So, you know, it's Romeo and Juliet. It's oh, okay. A fire girl falls, starts falling for a water guy. The mm. water guy is... And, and the water family are quite accepting of him falling for anyone, but the fire family, very racist. Sure. So she, she's not allowed. To, yeah, she's not allowed to be with anyone other than another fire person. Right, and there's reasons for that, which the film will will go through, and it's kind of like the pecking order. So because fire can damage everything, fire are kind of the out the outcasts. Oh, fire is the outcast. Yeah, because they are they could burn everything down. The only element that can destroy that is water. Water, right? So, so that's my it first makes question. Sense How that do they water are okay with fire because yeah, okay. we right. can deal with this. Yeah. So there's, there is some nuance. There's some, oh, I see. I there's see. something interesting about it, but otherwise, it's just not funny. Yeah. It tries to be funny, and the best Pixar films are. I mean, it looks good. It doesn't look great. It looks mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. The best Pixar films are funny to kids because of the delightful characters and and the the colorfulness of it all, and adults like because of the clever. Maybe not innuendo is the wrong word, but the the, the higher level humor that appeals to an adult that a kid will just it will just go over their head without being offensive but the the adults get it yeah so yeah yeah think exactly, of, so exactly. Think of those, some of those Toy Story jokes think of the, Incredi- the Incredibles yeah, whatever else all the best kids shows are like that where there's stuff for you as well this one just doesn't yeah. strike strike a chord and then the storyline itself kind of it really lacks a, a villain I'm sorry to say the mm. villains in this film are kind of like bureaucracy as opposed to anyone being deliberately obstinate and difficult and awful and horror. And it, the film loses a focus because of that. And it all hinges on the the romance. And I don't give a fuck about romance between fire animated character and a, and a water animated character. Let me ask you this. How did your daughter like it? She didn't like it either. Uh, 
has shown zero interest. She's walked out and said, no, it's okay. And shown zero interest in ever watching this film again. So that's why I know it's not just me. And I don't think it made a lot of money. And I don't even look it up. But yeah. I think the the reviews were eh. Yeah. So. It's funny. Is it a Pixar film? Yeah. And I think Pixar's, I, I think my review basically would say, Pixar, fine. Like we, we've been doubting for up. a few years. Yeah. It's done. Because it was the thing. Oh, for a long time. They did not have a bad film until no, Good Dinosaur or whatever the fuck came out. <laughs> okay. Since then, it's been ropey to occasionally good to Incredibles 2, which was great. Mm-hmm. Downhill. And yeah. this is the latest indication of that to me. Unfortunately, Elemental is not a good movie. And it was quite disappointing. So, yeah. my number nine. Nice. Okay. Elemental, not so good. All right. My number eight is a movie that I just came across from 2012. And I was like, I've never even heard of this film. It's got Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington in it and Brendan Gleeson and Vera Farmiga. Safe House? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. And Sir Davos Seaworth is in it too. All I remember is it was middling. Yeah. And that's what about it is. It's about um, Ryan Reynolds. Is, his name is Brent Weston and he's a CIA rookie who mans a safe house, which apparently is the low on the total pole kind of position if you're in the CIA. You just sort of sit there at a safe house and it has to always be ready in case you need it. But then what happens is it's, it's set in Cape Town, South Africa. Yep. And um, then they actually catch some bad, well, to them, a bad guy, Tobin Frost being Denzel Washington. Denzel. Denzel. And they have to take his ass to this safe house which is like, you know, it's sort of off the grid and like, okay, we have to make this decision. So they put him there. And then they try to interrogate him, you know, whatever. While they're doing that, the safe house is actually overtaken by mercenaries who want Frost. And then Brian Reynolds has to make the decision to, holy shit, they're killing everyone here. I've got to leave with him. Mm-hmm. So they, he grabs Denzel. So it becomes Denzel. a pursuit across Jaybird. Exactly, it becomes that. So now, again, nothing really new, as you said. It is a run by the numbers. I think I was like, ooh, it's Ryan. I love Ryan. Denzel, I have loved him. Uh, I love Denzel. Uh, uh, yeah. I, mean, I know the Equalizer films we don't like yeah, them we particularly don't like much, them. but uh, no, but Denzel's Denzel still. I'll yep. watch him do most things, right? So utmost respect for him. Yeah, I think that what it was is a uh, you know a good choice of actors in so in so far as that effects and locations. I mean, it's fine, you know, it's okay. There's action and it's engaging enough. I still think that so I would agree with you. It's just by the numbers. Yeah. It's you know, two and a half not, stars. Yeah, it's not exactly. It's like a. It's like a. If it entertained me enough for this runtime, I'm fine with that. At the end, Denzel gets a bit, not fancy, but he gets kind of cool. Like he'll walk through a corridor and shoot two cunts and then stop not, without breaking stride and then just disappear into the other. That kind of thing happens here and there. But, but yeah, my memory is completely middle of the road. But, and the reason is because they, the, the, the story doesn't give you enough about either character. Yeah, fair enough. So you don't get to know him or care about him as much. So yep. yeah, it's all right. Safe house. It's fine. It's, yeah, but there we go. That's right. where we are. So not recommending it, but we're not there yet. Nope, not I'm also not recommending number eight, although I think this is going to be on list maybe as well by your hint. Mm. I suspect it's going to come out very soon because my implications I got from you, you didn't like it that much. No hard feelings. Oh, actually, I didn't mind it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. I must have mis- misconstrued your comment because I made something like, well, I've got to be funny and no hard feelings. You're like, oh, I don't know about that. Okay, sorry. I didn't mind it in the context of this list. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> This two and a half stars for me. So I'm at the two and a half star level here mm. as well. I think this is trying to be this raunchy, raunchy comedy to the point where, amazingly, dude, Jennifer dude, Lawrence dude, dude. goes full naked. Full nude! And that's like, sorry. I, was, we, well, we, I know we shouldn't harp on that, no, but it's no, no, such no. a weird thing to see an A-lister doing. It is, but here's the thing, right? For the record, everyone. No hard feelings if you don't mind me. Please, jump in. It's, it's about Jennifer Lawrence is a... She's hot because she's Jennifer Lawrence, but she's her name is Maddie, and she's 
Oh, come on, man. You would still hear that? No, come on. Yeah. All right, all right, fine, no, right. I would not married. So. I mean, if indeed you weren't. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Okay, look. look she's not looking twice at me, but she's not looking the way she used to is what I'm trying to say. Um, okay. So here's the thing. She's she's a sort of a, you know, she's a just a normal gal, I guess. She's on the brink of losing her home. And she finds this job listing on Craigslist where these helicopter parents are looking for someone to bring their introverted 19-year-old son out of his shell before college, essentially by fucking him. Or at least... Being yeah. feigning interest in him such that he becomes confident with women. That's Matthew, their idea. Matthew Broderick is is the father. That's right. And uh, Laura Benanti is the mother. Can't say I recognised her, but yes. No, but I've, I, I did recognise her, but couldn't tell you where yeah, I yeah, could yeah. place her from. And they have good intentions, but they're manipulating the situation because they're really worried that their son, who seems to potentially be on the spectrum, yes. he's never going to come out of his shell and they want him to be ready to go to college. So as you said... So their intentions are pure. Their methods are very circumspect, yep. especially when they hire Maddie, who is Jennifer Lawrence, because yes. she's also a bit like, what? And maybe the funniest scenes of the film, other than one or two when they're together, is when the friends are like, the friends they've the boys got. friends. No, no, her friends. Oh, her friends, yeah. Who are like, so you used to be a prostitute and shit? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, because she wasn't actually a prostitute. She no, she's not. She's a normal woman. Yeah, she's done her luck. She's a bit of a cunt, but she's done her luck. Yeah, it heavily implies she just fucks around and, yes. and that you know, screws up the dude who's from the bear. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why... Okay, so so you di- you didn't care for this one specifically? No, no, two and a half stars. I, I thought it did its job. There's a couple of funny sequences in it. There's a couple of heartwarming kind of sequences in it. But, that I didn't respond to particularly But well. at the end of the day, it kind of just peters out into yeah. meh. So what happens is, I will say this. I think... I saw a trailer for this at some stage before I saw it, but I, when I walked in, I'd forgotten all of it. So I think it's really well filmed. I think it's actually, you can tell that whoever's doing this is actually like, he knows how to point it's a camera. Stupinsky. Yeah. Well, I, I looked at it and I went, this is actually well filmed. And you can tell. A, uh, someone, I didn't really get excited really? by the way it was shot. Okay. I, I, I did notice that, but the. His only other film is Good Boys, which I did laugh at that film. Good Bo- yeah. That was a great film, right? So. Again, you mentioned J-Lo does a completely nude comedic fight scene where she literally gets punched in a clam by another woman. Yeah, that right? did make me laugh. That Ma- made me mainly laugh. out of shock. I know. I was oh, like, oh my whoa. God, it's J-Lo. Yeah. Whoa. But you know what? Since I- I've heard the story. Because remember, we, J-Lo did that, that ballerina movie where she was... Um, oh, Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow, right? And I think I heard somewhere that after her, those nude photos leaked of her, she says, I, I, it gave me a whole new thing about um, I didn't doing even... nude scenes because like, it's like her whatever. taking control of the narrative. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So for whatever, that's fine, right? So whatever. People see me already, I may as well. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I'd do that if I was... <laughs> but I would say it's an above average rom-com. As well, but you wouldn't, I know. The R rating does help it a lot. Again, I think something is only funny when it's rude. But I do wonder what made J-Lord do this film. It's actually a real well, light th- kind of movie. Apart this from is the first punch. film since Red Sparrow, is it? I th- it's been a while, yeah. I think it's decently funny, but nothing special. Oh, no, don't look up. Don't look up. Don't look up, yeah. I wonder why she did it. This looks. If I was pitching this to her and said, look, it's a rom-com and it's this and it's that, I don't see anything that interesting for an actress to do. It's almost like she's like, oh, this is something you can do over the summer. It's not a big deal. Sure, not a big deal. You know? Whatever, just and, ease your way back but, in. But an A-lister like her, if I'd be like, no, I'm not doing this shit. I don't know why she did it. It's what it was. It, it is an anomaly. It does seem quite strange. I, I will agree. I I just think the, yeah, a few cacks, a couple of good, good heart, heart. Yeah, warming, no, there's some sorry, real funny stuff in here. Laughs yeah. for sure, but otherwise, eh. honestly, it could have been anyone playing this role. It's the thing. Mm. So there you are. All right, it's my number eight. We'll see how high it goes. You said six, did you? Uh, that was my six. Yes. yes. So, All right. So that's my eight. My number seven. Yes, please. Is this is odd, Paul? 
I've, this is a classic film that I've never seen and I've heard it referenced a million times and I'm like, why not throw it on? Mm-hmm. 1946 film called It's a Wonderful Life. This might be the f- Oh my God, seven. I've never seen it. I know. Even, okay. even I. Yes. When I watched this film, even yeah. I gave this like a three and a half stars. All right. Hard, cynical, asshole Paul gave this a higher score than <sighs> Wayne is clearly giving it. Justify yourself, Wayne. I shall. But um, well done on you for watching 1946 film. Because if we get... A lot of criticism about the show, other than the fact that your dick goes everywhere. <laughs> it's that, <laughs> it's, it's that we don't watch enough old shit. I agree. And here's the thing. I didn't even really know what it was about, Paul. I call myself a movie reviewer, not really. But it's about an angel that gets sent down from heaven. You didn't heaven. know what It's a Wonderful Life is about. I had an inkling of what it was about, but I didn't know the exact terms of it or what sorry, it was. it hasn't been enough soundboards oh, episode. my dick. It definitely has been. Yeah, fuck on my dick. Yeah, fuck off. Insane in the mem way. Insane in his brain. Yeah, fuck off. Insane in the mem way. Ball choke on my balls. What? Do choke on my balls. Now, here it is, right? Amazing. Yeah, I know. Look, again, I only, like, here's the thing. I never experienced it, so I only knew that roughly it was sort of this alternate reality. One of those sliding doors type movies. But according to a lot of critics, the first one ever. It's about. Is it sliding doors? It is, because it's more a Christmas carol. Well, who knows? An angel is sent from heaven to help a desperately frustrated businessman by showing him what life would be like yes. if he had never existed. So it's a bit like sliding balls, Paul. <laughs> Not really. It's like if you made the decision, a bit of that, okay? Show you the future if you do this and if you do that. Yes. And I think that, that it, by as all regards, to, is the as first opposed to time the world that splitting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here it is. First of all, the good things. I had no idea this movie has scenes of stars talking to each other in space. That's how it starts. <laughs> right? It's like, he's like, oh, 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 you know? So that was kind of unusual. <laughs> well, I didn't expect it, Paul. Um, is that a good thing? Because it's like, this is a 1946 film. So I didn't even know they thought like that. I was like, what the hell is this? Then it's weird, but there's odd animals all over the film. Like there's a crow in the bank. What the fuck? There's like, there's like, no, I'm like thinking, why is there a crow in the bank that just hangs around? And then there's a squirrel that turns up in like one scene and jumps on a dude and it's not played on. It's just there. And I'm like, did they? What, were they shooting in the wilderness and then shit happened and they kept the cameras rolling? I don't really know what that's about. Just for your, just for the, <laughs> to recap this moment, <laughs> one of the good things for Wayne out of It's a Wonderful Life is random animals win the film. No, no, I'm not saying this is a good thing. It's just a weird thing that I noticed. The good thing was the clouds, <laughs> the stars. Okay, but also the, if you're making a movie in 1946. And someone goes, yeah, we really need a crow in this scene. I don't even know how you sell that to the studio because it doesn't actually do anything. But hey, there you go. But I will say this, okay? The reason it's low on the list is because, frankly, I failed to put my brain in a 1946 thing because I was born yet. So it's a little hard to watch with all the old timey talk and stuff, but it really was a long time ago. You gotta judge a film based on when it was made. You do. And Jimmy Stewart is a 38 year old playing a 28 year old, you know, old Hollywood, fine, okay? But the black and white can get away a lot of shit with that. Black. Not this much. He looks like, <laughs> he looks fucking 40 to me, right? So he's like, hey, I'm a young guy. Oh, no, you're not. So anyway, look, amazing for what it did because I'm sure it definitely was groundbreaking and so on. But I just failed to appreciate it. So I'm not oh, saying wow. don't watch this film. Oh, thank God. But I'm not saying watch it. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Holy shit. What can I say? I think say? you're very lucky we don't rank these lists. Uh, ask for feedback <laughs> on these lists, Wayne. I don't because... know. Look, I would get flamed every single time. Yeah. So there you are. All right, well, from that controversial opinion to a completely one that just will not rank by comparison, my <laughs> number seven is a film from Ryu Kitamura, who did one of my favorite films, Versus. He did The Midnight Meat Train, 
if you've seen that one, and Azumi, another one of my favorite kind of films. Oh, yeah. So he's a Japanese director yep, who yep. now flirts around in American cinema. And this one's called The Price We Pay. It stars Emil Hirsch and Stephen Dorff. Oh. And they are both thieves slash robbers who go into a pawn shop and rip off the guy there. And yeah. Emil Hirsch is meant to be this Tarantino-esque crazy dude Emil who Hirsch, murders really? people. Okay. Left, right, and center. And Stephen Dorff is more the kind of veteran dude who's like, hey, fucking cool your heels, you fucking idiot. You're going to get us all killed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Emil Hirsch has a brother. The three of them do the robbery and they kidnap a woman who's in the store and she's, you know, so the four of them are on the run. Right. And then they, to get away from the authorities, they go into the middle of rural fucking wherever it is in America and they stop at this seemingly, ran- oh, their car breaks down and they have to walk across some ground and they come to this remote sort of farm thing and there's a young kid there and... They basically say, look, you've got a couple of houses out there for your workers on the farm. Are they occupied? No. Can we just stay here? We'll pay you whatever we need to pay. Just can you be there for the night? Mm-hmm. Hoping that word doesn't get out and the kid's really awkward and whatever else. And he says, okay, eventually, yes, but just keep it down. When my grandfather gets back, you do not want to be found by him. Okay. Grandfather comes back and shit ensues. So who's the grandfather? Anyone we know? Yeah, you'll recognize. He's actually an Australian actor. Oh. Vernon Wells. From Commando, pretty sure. Really? Okay. Yeah, he's a bad guy in Commando. He's also in Mad Max too. Barely remember it. But go on. Okay, go on. So Shit I don't want to s- you say. Okay, yeah, so I don't you can't, spoil you can't. it because the whole point of this film is you're not meant to know what you know. Something's off about this farm, but you're not going to know what it is. What is the name of the film again? The price we pay. It is so ridiculously over the top in places with its gore. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's. It's really floating line between thriller, crime thriller, and horror. Are you on board? I didn't. I didn't hate my time. Yeah, but it's that it's so this guy uh, Ryu Kitamura. Yeah, so his style. He it's just a, goes so extreme with the gory throwing at but the he's screen. A, he's a traditionally like he does Japanese films, being a Japanese director. Well, I and did then, the Midnight Meat Train, which is a little bit of a lost gem, I think, from 2012 to 11. Okay, and this is this is a white people film. Yeah, but he's been. <laughs> A film with white people in it by that, I mean. <laughs> yes. But he's done some other ones since then as well, down uh, range okay. as well. And no one lives. They're both sort of... So he's, now he's populating around here in, in, in... If you had to hang a number on this? Two and a half stars. Two, okay. Two and a half. I haven't quite... Can't quite 50. get there. Emil Hirsch's character is so ridiculously over the top and, and hateful. No one could survive in life being like him. Okay. Stephen Dorff makes a connection, not loving, like he wants to protect the woman that they've taken. Like okay. he's, this is not who he is. Yep, yep. He's very likable. And yep. so Stephen Dorff has a certain charm, even he's probably our age, maybe slightly older. I'm Stephen not sure. Stephen Dorff, yeah. He's, it's, you know, he's. <laughs> it just goes off the right. And look, the really sad thing about this is the young kid, I said young, he's 18, 17, 18. He'd like die of a drug overdose after making this film. And that's a real shame. Did he really? Oh, yeah, okay. that a. A young fellow oh, like that. 18, would, that's a bit shocked. Yeah, yeah, awful, awful. Tyler Sanders was his name. So, yeah, rest in peace to him. And if you're at all interested in that kind of thing, so it's very out there. Mm. I mean, what happens in the film is believable, but it's just over the top in terms of how it's delivered. So, sure, sure. yeah, the price we pay is my number seven. Nice one. Well, my number six is a no hard feelings. My number six was The Blackening. Here's <laughs> where it fell. <laughs> Fuck! For me. Wow. Uh, it's now edging into three-star, low three-star territory. Okay, all right. Well, my number five was uh, a classic Wayne mistake, everyone. I, Here we go. <laughs> yeah. There's this movie uh, that was a remake, um, and it's got Nicole Kidman, Julia Roberts, Chiwetel Ejiofor, 
and it's a thriller, and it's called The Secret in Their Eyes. Oh, that's what, yes. Right. I told you about the original. Right. So I downloaded, I thought I was downloading, I mean, I thought I was acquiring that one. <laughs> you thought you were paying top I dollar. I thought I was paying top dollar for, for that, that one, one, but yeah. I actually downloaded the original, right? The the Spanish one. And it's number six? Five. Fucking hell, Wayne. Hang on a second. I know, okay, look, this is, this is what you loved it. You're talking about the original, right? Yes. Okay. Everyone. What it is. So right? you're saying you watched the original, you didn't like the original? No, I don't. I didn't like it. Five. Five out of ten, cracker. This is okay. I do actually recommend this. Thought you giving it on three stars? Uh yeah, and I'll tell you why. Alright? So here it is. This is about this uh retired Argentinian federal justice agent dude, Benjamin Esposito. Fucking hard doing the show. Hang on, motherfucker. Hold <laughs> up, no. He decide he's sort of retired and everything. He decides to write a novel and he uses an old closed case of uh, as source material and it's a bit hard to watch at the beginning because it's, it's a bit of a brutal rape at the beginning where they're flashing back to it but basically he's Sorry trying to heart. use yeah he's trying to use that unclo- that uh, you know that, that old cold case which was never solved as the basis of his novel in doing so they flash back and forth but basically there's a bit he goes back to, to his old boss who is a hottish sort of like woman at the time and he <laughs> tries to open up like this kind of he starts basically reopening the case and talking to people. She's now the DA. She's now the DA, uh, or whatever they call it in Spain. They even go as so far as to try and find the boyfriend of the woman who was murdered and, you know, try and look him up and that sort of shit. Now, it- Did you not jerk off over the shot in the stadium? Okay, let's talk about this shot. Now, th- I didn't expect this because I forgot that you recommended this, Paul. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there looking at my thing going... Why have I got this on my download? I mean, why have I got this on my computer? Whatever. I downloaded it, okay? I fucking stole it, all right? Fuck everyone. I stole it. <laughs> now, it's a the 2009 Spanish, the film. The Spanish authorities are coming looking for you, Yeah, Wayne. it's a 2009 film, everyone. Can I just be clear with. here? You forgot about me recommending it about six seconds ago. Excellent. Good. One of the top ten thrillers of the 21st century. Is that when we did it? Yes. Again, I don't... Look, I've got issues, everyone, okay? <laughs> There's obviously some issues. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Again, now I know why it was on my list, okay? So uh-huh. anyway, I, I'm watching it, and I didn't know what to expect. And then I, in the middle of the film, they do what I would call an old-school oneer, okay? Because it starts with, I assume, a drone, which is flying over uh, a soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. It then zooms down. There's a bit of CGI here and there, but basically it zooms down into the crowd, right? And goes into this throng of people. Now, it then shows you still the one-shot, the two protagonists who are looking for someone and they are pushing through a very tightly like a crowd of people as befits a footy, uh, a, a soccer stadium. Yep. But because there's so many people there, they're not using a steady cam, they're using handheld. And so it pushes through, comes around and actually this shot is, I don't know how, how long it is, it's very long. It's beautiful. It actually pushes all the way out and they're chasing this dude and they goes out into the thing and then he comes down and they're, they're even like going up and down stairs. It's actually amazing but it's so out of, not out of place but it's unexpected and I was like, holy shit, look at this thing. And, and because it was handheld the whole time, it looked like to me that it wasn't this polished Hollywood one Oh, for fuck's sake. No, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it wasn't a polished Hollywood one It was just this like kind of a gorilla one-shot. I don't know, but Stuck it was good. It's still good. It's still good. I'm telling you it's good. All right, all right, I that. do recommend this show, everyone. All right? <laughs> Film. Film. All right. <laughs> hey, there's still a show. <laughs> And a lot of people said, I think this won Best Foreign Language Oscar or something yeah, in, in that year. And it is an interesting show. I, I really like the ending too. I thought it nailed it. That's what I thought. Okay, now I'm not going to say anything about the ending. Yeah, right? don't spoil it. 
But um, we don't do spoilers on top ten last year. Absolutely not. But uh, I believe that's why Paul liked it. Okay, because I wasn't expecting a few things, and it turned up, and that's good. So yes, it is definitely worth a look, and it is a one of those foreign films where you're like, like they couldn't. I'm kind of interested now to see the American version to see what they did as a result of that, because I'm. Do <laughs> you like the American version more? I don't think I, I, think I will. This oh, I think I think the American version is different because the, the, if you watch the trailer for the American version, which is just called "Secret in Their Eyes," not mm-hmm. the Julia Roberts's daughter gets killed instead of some dude's woman, and the the trailer tells you the whole fucking movie. Does it? Right. So I reckon what happens in that one, and I don't know this, so it's not a spoiler, but I reckon in that one, the bad thing that gets done in the end of this film is done by Julia Roberts, and that's all I can think of. So anyway, The Secret in Their Eyes is definitely worth a look. Okay. Well, look, I, I guess I'm glad you watched it if you forgot why you're watching it. I mean, I don't think I'm you should be offended glad you didn't that. hate it. <laughs> Even though I've struggled to believe there's four films better than that film on your list, we'll find out in due course. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. My number five is a film. Okay, here's where I just have, I think, surprise after surprise after surprise for my, life, for my top five. My number five is a film which people seem to have panned. It's a Netflix action film. Therefore, I had zero fucking interest in watching this film, but I was desperate one night because we've run out of shit to watch at home with my mm-hmm. wife. She's been working very hard. I've been working hard. And I just said, let's just watch this and see. And 20 minutes in, I'm like, I'm in. And she'd fallen asleep. <laughs> it's Heart of Stone. Taylor Dean. Okay, so what? what? No. <laughs> Gal Gadot. Oh, wait. Yeah, people are shitting on this thing. Is it a, it's a movie, yeah? Directed by Tom Harper. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's, you, it's a, spy, like it? it's a spy thriller, man. Well, Exactly. I'm sur- I was expecting it to pop up on your list, clearly it's not going to. I think I think the the, the the crowd said this was fucking bullshit, so I just walked past it. Do you remember the crowd also said the Grey Man was fucking bullshit? Yeah, that was bullshit because that was a great film. We liked it. We, I, mean, I think you liked it more than I did, but we liked it. Yeah, I love it. This film is fine. No, it's better than fine. Fuck it. Fuck it. It's good. It's it's solid. It's a good solid three, is fine. three star film. It's not brilliant. But is it entertaining? It was entertaining. There. And it did something I did not expect, which I'm not going to spoil for you because I want you to have the moment. Brilliant, I had. brilliant, brilliant. I want the moment. And that moment happens very early in the movie. Word. So it's not exactly what you expect. It is basically there's an intelligence. So MI6 are tracking some dude and mm-hmm. they discover slash are aware of some shadowy global alliance that are trying, made up of ex-spies right. who have banded together to bring down, I guess, the the whole overarching organization of the world. I don't really understand their, their point. Hmm. But is Gal Gadot an MI6 agent? Or can I not can I not ask? Yes. All right. She is a, she is an MI6 agent. Despite sounding like an Israeli. Yes. Alright, fine. I'm sure that happens. <laughs> In this film she sounds a little bit a little bit more. Oh she English. can change her voice. Oh, well a little bit more. Not a lot more. Let's yeah, be clear here. Yeah. And maybe that's a, one of the people's problems with it. But I just had fun with this movie. It's not hard to follow. It's not overly clever. It has a couple of Shit moments in it, which I wasn't expecting. Shit. Oh, oh shit. Like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't expect that. I, I mean, I did. There's a moment halfway through the film, like, I knew that was going to happen. I didn't expect it to happen that way. Word. That kind of thing. So it surprised me a couple of times. I thought the action sequences were very solid, well directed. This is big from Paul. Not, not like, again. No, not, not it's blowing three, off here. It's a three star high. Th- I'd say I'd give this a 63, 64 film. But because. You read the reviews and you see the the reactions online. This looks like it's going to be a 20 film. I was really pleasantly surprised. Hence why it's my number five, Heart of Stone. If you if you don't have a Heart of Stone, check it out. 
<laughs> Ironic that Paul's the one recommending this one. Um, okay, nice one. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out now. In fact, damn. You'll probably hate it because it'll be one of those Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be that. Where yeah. I'm like, Paul recommended this. What a bunch of shit, Paul. Yeah. This fucking happened fucking And see, that's around. why it's good that I forgot you recommended the other mm, one because I just went in cold. So maybe. there you go. There you go. Okay, well, my number four is a spy thriller, but mm, a I, different don't, one. I don't think it's called. A, I don't think it's a thriller. I think it's a spy drama. It's called The Courier. And it's got Benadryl cum slut in it. And it's <laughs> and also has the marvelous Mrs. Maisel in it, and it is I a. I've seen this one. Yeah, it's 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 a it's kind of it's about this. It's a true story. Okay. About a British businessman who was unwittingly recruited into one of the greatest international conflicts in history. Essentially, he is not. He's hit up by MI6 and the CIA to go. Posing as he is a businessman, but posing as a businessman in Moscow to go there and grab Russian secrets from a per- from a from a person down there and basically ferry them over. And it's about nuclear secrets, and it's and it's a real thing that happened. Seventies, did you say? Nineteen sixties, nineteen sixties. And Benadryl is doing a really good job <laughs> as as like a <laughs> he's a very very foppish and charming Englishman. And at the end of the film, they show you that actual footage of that guy, and that guy is also foppish and charming. Like, I'm like, ooh. What are the odds? I know, but he's really cool. So he's actually modeled himself after the real guy. Okay. But that guy is like a cool motherfucker. If I was English, I'd want to be that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So that, and I'd want to wear That's right. But wait, you wouldn't want to be like a spy if you are a spy. Well, in fact, he's not a spy, and that's the point of the film, because a lot of shit happens to him, and he goes through quite a lot of shit. Okay. Uh, But it still means that if you're that type of Englishman, you can wear white Oxford butter downs, (laughs) and they're actually quite good on you. So, yeah. Very well made, very well acted, and I think that I'm not gonna say it's. You know what it is? It's a little bit like Bridge of Spies, which I know you dislike. Ugh. So I'm not recommending it to you. Bridge of Boredom, but, but recommending it to other people who aren't Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, yeah, that's my number three. The cor- sorry, number four is the Courier. Okay, cool. My number four is a film which I did suggest to Wayne that we should do as a review on the show. But it's a horror movie, so he was like, fuck all that. It's directed by Andre Urdal. It is The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Ah, now how is this film? The Last Voyage of the Demeter is the film which follows one chapter in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Hmm. And it follows how Dracula gets from Transylvania Transylvania to England in, or the New World in, Hmm. or maybe it's America, I don't know. Anyway, the New World in Dracula. And so it's this. It's the ship's perspective, not literally. It's the captain and a, oh, yeah, yeah. the doctor. So they hire a, a young man on board by like Corey Hawkins, who is from straight out of Compton, mm-hmm. for example. The captain of the ship is played by Davis Seaworth, ah, Liam Cunningham, Liam Cunningham and yes. David Dasmalchian is oh, yeah. is the first officer on the ship. So there's a few people here that you kind of recognise. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And you know that the ship is doomed, and that. No one's getting off the ship. So it's the story of how Dracula wades through the ship, eating people one at a time. And so, obviously, the ship itself doesn't think he does, in fact, get to the mainland. He does make it to the mainland. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, this this would thoroughly bore the tits off me. And it is London. Sorry, I did. London. I did. Give it two hours long. Fuck. So that might be too long for you, Wayne. The film is good. It's not great. Right. And it's not great because there's not enough attention paid to... I think Dracula, as well as they make some convenient sort of plot decisions that would be spoilers to talk about here yep, yep, yep. that don't make a lot of sense in the context of the film. So that reduces it to me again to a three-star mm-hmm. film. I watched this one with my brother. We both walked over and went, oh, it was solid. Again, I'm using the word solid a lot. 
once we get past this film, I think we're into superlative. No, no good, better than solid. Very, very solid. Very, very good films. Uh, yeah, I would say very, very good to great films. My number one is a great film. Okay. But yeah, this one could have been better with a little bit of better writing, a little bit better pacing. It is a little slow in places, but mm-hmm. that's okay because the atmosphere does carry you along. Mm. And there are some genuinely creepy moments that this film manages to to convey. But because you know the outcome, yeah, 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 it sort of robs of some of its. So actual power. Dracula is a character. Yeah, who's playing him? Uh, it's mostly a CG composite of. Oh, of, okay, okay, yeah, he's, okay. He's, he's, he's sort of this. Beast. He's much more bestial in this version. Oh, so less like uh, yeah. less charming and brooding. No, no, no. He's not a, a guy who's walking around the ship interacting oh, with oh, people. Okay, okay, okay. He's this monster who's in literally in the cargo hold, snacking on this wo- on women who are uh. boxed up and almost dead. Uh. And then when it breaks out, it becomes kind of this feral beast. What stops this film being a three and a half, maybe even a four star film? Is they make some bonehead fucking decisions in this movie. The crew. The crew do. Yeah, that always fucks things up. Yeah, so like it's so dumb once I realize I've got something on the board. They like, look, keep looking for it at fucking night. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, do they know that it's Dracula? No, they, of course I don't. Well, no, they, still- like, no, they do eventually because one of the brides, if that's what it, she is, it comes out of a box and they manage to kind of, through blood transfusion, heal her. And she conveys the story. And it's like, well, fucking be smarter, you dumb pricks. But also, you'd probably wait till daytime anyway because there's more light. Yeah. So they're in the hole. It's dark yeah. in there anyway. So, of course, Dracula can still move around. But oh, still. Okay. Yeah. And there is a kid character in the film as well. So, you're like, whoa, what are they going to do with this? And that's uh, interesting what they do. Hmm. Okay. Sounds like I made a good call. All right. <laughs> yeah. You would not have liked it at yeah, all. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you'd appreciate it. The the. The filmmaker went into it. Fair enough. Uh, th- and that does happen. Because he's sure. a well-made film. And Andre, I'll say his name again here, Uvradal, mm-hmm. has made some good films, including The Autopsy of Jane Doe and Troll Hunter. So, yeah. If you're at oh, all okay. interested as a horror film fan, I think it's worth a check out. It's not going not gonna to absolutely blow your socks off. not going to be socks off. It's not going to be on anyone's end of year best of list. But it's a solid horror film. And uh, I'll take that at this day and age where we are in the Hollywood release schedule. Sure. My number three is a film that Paul recommended to me. Hey, this time. And it's you a remembered. foreign film. Yes, this time I remember. <gasps> and it's a foreign film. Yeah, Holy it's, it's sh- Athena <sighs> from Netflix. One okay. Favourites for last year. Yeah, so check this out, everyone. Definitely a better film than Secret in Their Eyes. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what's better than one and two. Okay, we'll find out. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, this is about, uh, well, it's, it's, the protagonist is Lieutenant Abdel, who's an Algerian French soldier. And at the beginning of the film, this is the thing that Paul sold me on. There's an 11 minute one shot. Oh my God. Which is breathtaking. Probably uh, probably one of the greatest one shots of all time. Because it does so many things and goes so many places and has so many times where it could go wrong that it could easily turn to shit. He's holding a press conference outside the police station because his brother dies as a result of three apparent policemen Police violence. beating him and leaving him for dead and it goes viral and it becomes this thing and what it essentially turns out well no how the, how it progresses is that this guy yes his his brother little brother was actually beat up by supposedly killed by by policemen and he's got two other brothers or one brother and another half brother who are in this housing like kind of tenement called yep. Athena mm-hmm. and they are rioting against the police because they just want the, they want blood they want to figure it you know like obviously your brother's been killed by the supposedly the police and it becomes this it's political in places but what it is really it's just kind of a triumph of filmmaking for yeah. for a film that is 
I mean, I, when it's not Hollywood, you think it's off 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 the you know radar. And honestly, so honestly, find me a better opening shot to a film. Yeah, and and you will not. Yeah, it's. I don't give a fuck amazing. what anybody says. The first ten minutes of this movie are the finest ten minutes of filmmaking ever committed to cinema. Whoa, that's huge. That's huge. Honestly, cinematography for sure. Cinematography. I'm yeah. not saying like story, yeah, whatever yeah, else yeah. you convey at that time, but it's as a shot. It's it's eye popping because is nothing better. And even if you don't like necessarily appreciate that type of thing, you can the the effect of the one shot does let you go like immediately like you're in that crowd and you're because it doesn't let you go because it's the same shot. You're just engaged immediately, and then like it pans up. It really, really is a great. Great shot, but even the opening, even the end of that shot, it pulls out over the wall. Over the water, which I'm not quite sure how they did. Over the wall, and then the 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 title ends up. I'm like, holy fucking shit! And unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, the worst shot of the film is the final shot of the film, where things are revealed, and they and it really does neuter itself. Had we not had that revelation, I I hated it. I hated it. I think it undermined the film incredibly. If not for that. That, I, this film would be my top 10 film ever review. I would have been pissier if they didn't show no, me what the problem I, was. Mm. Because otherwise it means nothing, Paul. No, no. That, that's the point. You should never have known because they didn't know. Yeah, but I want to know as an no. audience member. I wanted, I like that last scene. Because we're with them the whole way through. I mean, there is a police, a, a rookie police officer who you do flash to well, as, that's the thing. as the thing. But otherwise, we're with these brothers and that's all they knew that, that they didn't know. Yeah, but I need to know so that yeah. I can see who was right or wrong. So that was... Anyway. The, the movie actually does switch from one character to another one's POV, and that ranges from antagonist to the SWAT team member, or you don't really know any of these people, but the camera puts you right next to them, so you're experiencing what they feel, and that's why it's like, it, the surreal moodiness is really, really good. So, um, I can't help wondering why the police did not use actual guns on the rioters when they could have, but, you know, whatever. And they may spray is very ineffective, not sure, but anyway, that's the only thing I can I'd, say about I'd it. Look- they sprayed that dude right in the face and he just went shot. I don't off. think the riders were killing police officers, so yeah, that's why. You'd still, uh, well, okay, well, okay, all right. Anyway, I, I, we're I'm not fortunate gonna... enough to live in a in a city where we don't have to worry about such things. Yeah, at least at this stage, and it's well, but, but the policemen had, oh, I suppose they, they had guns on them. They didn't use them on. But okay, fair enough. All right, look, I, I in favor of execution, everything falls away though, because this is a really, really great film, and you need to watch it. Athena on Netflix. Yeah, it's. Totally unchampioned. I think I was the first person I've ever heard shout this from the rooftop. A little bit like Train to Busan back years ago. Mm. So, did you yeah. watch it in like subtitles? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I watched. I will it never sub- watch a film that's in subtitles with its English bullshit over the top of it. Well, that's the thing. Um, if you turn on the English, like the audio, everyone is is speaking in an English accent. <laughs> Just quite funny because it's a French film, but there you are. Of course, they are. All right, my number three. Nowhere near as good as that film. So, just want to acknowledge that. But had a lot of fun with this. Didn't expect to. DC League of Super Pets. Oh, yeah. That's a great film. Wait, fun. Directed by... Have we not talked about that? I don't think we have. Shit. You might have. I haven't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Directed by Jared Stern. Uh, this is basically follows the, the superhero characters yeah. known as their pets. It's great. And so Superman's dog has Superman's powers. Crypto. And very well cast. Because I'm not a big fan of this man. I think I've made this very clear on the show. Kevin Hart? No, no. Dwayne Johnson oh, is, I'm sorry. is crypto. Right, right. Kevin Hart is... Ace the Bat Hound. But yes, which is also an accepted character in the comics. So to cast a guy who thinks he's greater than God quite clearly and can save the whole DCEU and mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. as Crypto Crypto is a is a stroke of genius. And Kevin Hart is this kind of subversive alternate kind of Batman esque character. That works Ish. as well. Yeah, but yeah. But the point is 
it's funny. It is funny. It's legitimately I like funny show. throughout the I film. Like the and you come to care about the characters. And when Crypto finally has his rec- recognition of... And this is not... I mean, it is a spoiler, but it, of course this happens. It's okay, you tell it. He, he loses his power. He loses his power and he has to come back to literal Earth yeah. and realise he's actually no better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. That works with The Rock. I just wish that, wish that would happen to The Rock <laughs> as well in real life. Not because I wanted to lose his billions and whatever else, but still, it'd be nice. Yeah, well, I mean, he, yeah. I mean, look, that, that, that aside, the actual film works because it's an interesting sort of like villain character like i wasn't expecting that but overall yeah the villain character is fun the the way it's it's, it's, it's well shot yeah the, the, it's the well animation's shot, good well produced and it's it's it works because it's funny i'll tell you straight up if this wasn't funny and entertaining it'd be a piece of shit no matter how good all the execution was but this was a yeah i, I agree or dc lucas yeah that's very good. good fun film thoroughly recommended i think most people have seen it by now i was very late to the party my daughter and i both enjoyed it. i think my wife enjoyed it too we Ooh. all watched it as a family so huge there you go number three DC League of Super Pets. Nice one. My number two is a film called Blackberry. Ah, okay. I'm going to have to get this one because one of our listeners in the mm. Pop 10 has talked about that one too. Now, this is, yeah, and, and this is like, the, again, there has been a few of these like Tetris and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where movies, better than Tetris? Yeah, they're better than Tetris. And I'll tell you why. Okay, okay. Not for the same reasons though. Um, first of all, Glenn Howerton, who's from like uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, is in it. And he does a really good job. Nothing like his character, so that's good. Jay Baruchel? Baruchel. Baruchel, Topic Thunder Dude. And there's another guy, and I don't know his name. Is it Baruchel? Baruchel. Anyway, I should tell you this. The reason this one is a bit close to my heart. I never owned a BlackBerry, everyone. Uh, You didn't? No, I never did. Uh, That's because I didn't trust the infrastructure when they came out, and I was never in a job where they just gave you one. The reason people gave you Blackberries is because they interfaced well with Microsoft Dynamics. Sorry to be a nerd. But it was the first phone which had a full keyboard on it yes. that you could tap on. And on, on a personal point of view, it is the only phone that had a blue and red LED that would just go bing, boom, bing, boom on all the time. How'd it go again? Bing, boom, bing. <laughs> <laughs> but there's many a meeting where I've li- completely lost interest or focus in the meeting. Because of? Because the little red and blue LED no, no, of because someone's. Because of? Because of what? <laughs> bing, boom, bing, bing, boom, bing. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I've been sitting there looking at... Because red and blue lights flashing, for some reason, I don't know if I want to be a cop or whatever, but it's <laughs> always gotten me. I like that tint. And so I just sat there going, that's so cool that your phone has an LED. <laughs> anyway, so I love the black... Well, sorry, I don't... Blackberry is actually a bit shit, but I like the idea. So this film, it's basically showing the rise and fall of that phone. Because that phone should have been what iPhone is now, but it didn't do that. And it's for specific reasons. And the way it came into power is actually fun. But the movie itself is oddly feel good, which you wouldn't expect. Okay. And it's shot in a very washed out, like kind of underlit way. It isn't this sort of gleaming Hollywood. Thing. It's purposely shot in a weirdly kind of like you know, dank way. Right, so, yeah, yeah. And it, well, usually I wouldn't like that, but it's a, it's, it actually is somehow really great. So you may not agree. You may not agree. I will, but, I will definitely check it out. Yeah. Now, based so, on yours and... One of the listeners' recommendations. I had avoided it. Thought, yeah, it's not for me. Well, the rule, the, I think the thing that the movie is teaching you is that as far as technology goes, there's always something better around the corner, just around the corner. Sure. And that's the, that's the challenge today. Doth makes sense. All right, my number two is going to probably piss off a lot of people. I don't understand why this film was not more enjoyable and reflected slash appreciated than it is. It's a sequel to a film I think we both enjoyed from about five, maybe six years ago, five years ago, mm-hmm. Bird Box. What? Is there a sequel? There's a sequel. It's called Bird Box Barcelona. What? So it's is- a Spanish sequel 
to really? that film. So no Sandy B then. No Sandy B. No one no one will recognize I as, didn't even know this was out. Yeah. I liked Bird Box. Directed by Alex Pastor and David Pastor. Look, I don't know what I was expecting. I expected shit. That's why this film is so good for me. Because I'd heard the bad reviews. It has two point three on Letterbox. I don't understand. Do not understand. This nice film that happens. genuinely shocked me twenty minutes in. I will say that. I was like, what the fuck? And I can't tell you what that shock sure, is because sure, sure. it will spoil the entire rest of the film. Now, just to refresh my memory, the initial bird box was because they couldn't make sound. Is that it? Or they couldn't no. see? Or? So, sight. So, sight. Hence bird box. You know, put the, the hood over their eyes and they're okay. Right. So you're not allowed to look. You can't look. If you can see whatever this thing is, mm. you will kill yourself or kill everyone else in the process. Right, right, right. So you've got to be blind. You yeah. literally have to walk around blind. And so... This is the Barcelona perspective and it starts sort of after the, the apocalypse and then it goes back to show the main character, Sebastian, how he was impacted on this and who mm-hmm. he lost and whatever else. And so it's back and forth between back when this all started and the current timeline, which is nine or ten, I think, 12 months later, and how he's trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And film does this – again, I can't talk about yeah, I want to. I really, really want to. But I want you to have that moment that I had – which sold me on the film and then how it progresses from there. And I heard complaints. Oh, well, if you don't want to know what happened and what was doing, this film fucking... No, it doesn't. This film does not spoil what's actually doing the killing and what's destroying the earth. Does not in any way, shape or form. If that's what you think, it told you that it's given away the secret of what the bird box slash... Did the initial movie tell you what it was? No. Did, did it? Nope. This film doesn't either. It gives you more of an insight into what happens to people. Mm-hmm. But it does not tell you. So but why would that be a problem if it did? Ah, look, I oh, like the maintain idea. the mystery. It's, yes, yeah, maintain okay. the mystery. We might get more films, but unfortunately, the, the reviews of this one are so low. And I don't understand it. I think like, it's always hard to tell how good acting is in, in a foreign language, but the acting seems good. There's a character who, who is English in the film who speaks English throughout it. She's mm-hmm. good. Okay, he's good. The main protagonist. It's shot well, mm-hmm. and it's really. I'm invested. I want to know what happened. So this film for me, three and a half stars. I really enjoyed Bird Box Barcelona. There we go. Okay. Fuck you, everyone who hates this film. Did not even know. (laughs) There you are. Bit of snark from Paul. No, no. You're allowed to hate it. I'm just saying like, don't don't come at me for for liking (laughs) the film because I I, I will not understand your point. Cool. Um, No point recapping is there. Uh, Do we do that? All right, I'll tell you. Sure, I'll just run through it. Real quick. Not not for Troy Spinner. Thank you, Troy, for all your work you do for us, but just for for people to know. 10 was The Blackening. <laughs> 9, Asteroids so City. Low. 8, uh, Safe House. 7, It's a Wonderful Life. 6. Oh my God. Now, these are the movies that are better than A Wonderful Life, everyone. <laughs> no Hard Feelings at number 6. <laughs> 5, The Secret in Their Can Eyes. I just pause now to have a send a special message to a friend of the show, Jason from Binge Movies. If you're listening, I never want to hear you bitch about me again. I'm and t- my scores of I old school films. This. I don't know what everyone's talking about. Okay. Uh, four was The Courier. Three was Athena. Two, Blackberry. And my number one, one, another movie that Paul did recommend to me. Ish. Ish. But I was always interested in because John Mayer was in it. <laughs> it's called Vengeance. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, let me tell you why, Paul. Let me tell you why. Okay. Because I know okay. you're going to freak out at this. The number of universes in which Vengeance is better than Athena and It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life. <laughs> None. <laughs> All right. Here it is, right? It's, a, it's got B.J. Novak, Boyd Holbrook in the one of the few roles that I liked watching him in. Ashton Kutcher, and yeah, there's a cameo from John Mayer at the beginning. But see if you can figure out why it triggered me a bit. It's about a dude who's something of a player, and he's <laughs> friends with John Mayer. 
And he lives in New York and he's an aspiring writer. And it's about to- this point in time Wayne was jerking off. <laughs> no, and also, he wants to create a podcast and you know how those guys are. Okay. <laughs> and as a result, he has casual affairs here and there. And then one night he gets a phone call from a random dude who tells him tearily that his girlfriend is dead. He's actually with another woman at the time. And he's like, what the fuck? And it turns out to be the... Inconceivable! Well, it turns out to be a brother of a girl that he hooked up with once, who he can't even remember. Boyd Holbrook, right? Boyd Holbrook is the guy calling him, right? So he gets guilted into flying out to Texas for her funeral and then gets goaded by her redneck family brother to avenge the death of her killer, even though it is purported that she overdosed. Mm -hmm. Now... I was sitting there going, I don't even, I didn't even think I would find this at all interesting, this film, right? But like, oh, that was an interesting enough premise. Let's see. There's a sort of a funny bit at the beginning. Okay, fine. Okay. And then, I don't know, there's a scene in this film where they go to a rodeo to hunt down their suspect. I've been to one of those rodeos in a place called Mesquite in Texas, and it's exactly like that. It's really an interesting place. Is anyone out there from Texas? Because I'd like to hear from you. Texan people are the warmest, loveliest Julio people. Julio for the Contrarians podcast. Julio. I actually have a great, like, I had a great time in Texas. I went to a couple places, right? And I like those folks. And He's from Houston, of, which might not be Houston's the a best, city. best representative. Yeah, this place Texas. is Bumfuck, Idaho. I went to a place called Amarillo, which is also very friendly, but also way out there. Anyway. I didn't expect this to be an actual film because this is BJ Novak is that guy from like Parks and Rec or something, and The Office. The Office is yeah. The Office. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. The Office. And I thought it would be like some writer meditation on life. That's what tends to happen when you do your first film. There are those right? moments. There are those moments, but it still had an actual ending, which I did not expect. Like it was a complete story, and potentially suckered me a little bit towards the end. So that's good. And it's probably the best performance Ashton Kutcher has ever given. Wow. If you ask me. I, I'm like, oh shit, this motherfucker can actually act. And I actually felt a lot when seeing his character go. So it was kind of good. And uh, yeah, Vengeance. I, now here's the thing. When we say I recommend, this is not necessarily my most recommended to everyone I meet on my list. I do recommend it if you're like me. And you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it was my favorite of the ten. Ballsy. Stupid, but ballsy. <laughs> All right. Look, to be honest, my number 10, my number one, sorry, is no different than than your... Insofar as the personal recommendation aspect of it? Yes. Sure, sure. All right. Here's my rundown then. Sledgehammer at number 10, 9, Elemental, 8, No Hard Feelings. The Price We Pay at 7, The Blackening, where it should be at number 6, <laughs> 5, Heart of Stone, 4, Last Voyage of the Demeter, 3, DC, League of Super Pets, number 2, Bird Box Barcelona. My number 1 is a 1980... One slasher film, Holy which shit. I'd never seen, what? which I also reviewed for the Slashers podcast. Last plug of that one, Joseph Zito's The Prowler. Now, recently, I had the pleasure of being on the Screen Run podcast mm-hmm. with the wonderful Lady Wan and Chris Scalzo. And Chris said one of his favorite underrated slasher films ever yeah. is The Prowler. And I'm like, oh, okay, I've never even heard of this thing. All right, thanks, Chris. That's awesome. Watch this movie. It is Fucking great. So, if you're all, into slasher films, it yeah. is great. It is brutal. It's got some amazing Tom Savini kills mm-hmm. where you literally will jaw be a gape. How did I do that? In 1981, man, with practical effects. So, this, first of all, it's a shock that you haven't seen a slasher I know, film. I know. I d- so, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's great when someone comes up with a gem. It's like, just give this a try. And then it actually pans out. If you're marveling at the special effects from 1981, that mm-hmm. is worth a mention for sure. But and tell me the, what it's about. Then the other film, but the other part of the film which really works is you just don't know who the killer is till the end. Most of these uh, oh, slasher films, you. you know. 
you know within 30, 40 minutes, who, or, you know, the Friday 13th, there's no, they're not hiding. It's Jason. Yeah. Or it's Jason's mum in the first one, but it's Jason in every film ever since. They don't, they don't give a fuck about a mystery. This one's a mystery as well, and it's legitimately like, it could be two or three characters, and you're just not sure. Oh. And when it is revealed who it is, you're like, oh, that works. Well done. So can I, I'm taking from this that the plot is someone's slashing people. Yeah, so it's set in sort of 1980, 1981, mm-hmm. and there's a masked killer running around wearing World War II US Army fatigues. Yep. And the film has a sort of opening at the very, very start where someone gets a John Doe, Dear John letter, basically mm-hmm. saying, I'm breaking up with you. Yep. You've been out in the front and I just need to move on with my life for yep. too long. And then next thing, her and the guy she's now seeing get brutally murdered mm. at the start of the film. And now we flash forward 35 years-ish and we're in a current timeline where at the time of the film where they're having a new dance. The last time this happened was when the murders happened. So it's kind of like a we're reopening where oh, kids yeah. are now – it's, and so this re-triggers the killer and the killer comes out and starts murdering people. Hmm. Now, is it the original person who murdered people 35 years ago? Is it, is it a copycat? Is it someone else who's got a different agenda who's using that thing? Hmm. That's what this film posits. And yeah, it's got a really great final girl who's very sassy and intelligent and it's got a, a good, I guess, hero alongside her who you're kind of rooting for. But although there's a question, who knows? Is he the killer? Don't want to give it away. So The Prowler is one of the best of the 80s golden age of slashes. And I thoroughly recommend it to anyone who, like me, somehow it had passed them by. Word to the wise, everyone. If you're a Flasher fan and... Slash podcast. There you go. Check out our Flash podcast. Check out this one. And thank you, Wayne, for indulging me in those plugs. All right. That's our list. No one mentions for a top 10 last. And let's get into it then with your feedback on the topic at hand. The segment that we call the Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Getting off this week's Pop 10 with top-level patrons of the show, Adam Malur, who said, Blue Beetle, best thing DC has put out in years, except the Batman. <laughs> Listen to our review yeah, okay. by the stage, Adam, and I'm sorry. Oh, I liked you too. So, you sorry, know, sorry, sorry. Josh Raglan said, the Defiant Ones, Poitier and Curtis act their asses off in this engrossing classic film. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Erica San Pedro, Wayne, Blackberry. Word. Exhilarating, well-told, despite changes to the real-life story. I miss my Blackberry. Oh, really? There were changes? I don't know. Erica, let us know what you know about that. Minahaka, okay, Dan said, double feature of Cooties, which was a fun surprise, and Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which is a laugh riot. Three stars and 3.5 stars, respectively. I remember that one. I didn't much like Cooties, but he's spot on with Scout's Guide to the Zombies Apocalypse. David Powell, patron to the show, and of course, co-host of the We Watch Thing podcast, said the Nun 2, colon, none harder. Surprisingly, (laughs) not shit. Script is silly as fuck, but it's well made and well acted, and I enjoyed it. Go figure. So he liked it and you did not like it, I yes? did not like it. Okay. He at least acknowledges how shit the script was. Stephen Burr said The Flash. Reviews be damned. I had a great time watching this. One hundred P. I <laughs> like that thing. I don't know why the motherfucker tanked. It's a good film. Timothy Williams said TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Very good. And I like the few horror moments it had. It might be a little scary for some kids. Really? Okay. Nice. Chris Sutherland, page of the show, said Extraction 2. They were extracting everywhere. It got messy, but actually they're messy again and finishes strongish. Am I making out words? This movie makes up a lot to shrug. Agree. Oh, I love it. I love the X2. <laughs> Prepare yourself here, Wayne, for oh. some conjecture from your Go cousin, Ash Bruff. Go on. Who recently announced his engagement. Congratulations, yes. Congrats, Ash bro. and Kathy. Recently watched No Hard Feelings, which was fucking terrible. <laughs> My dick and I are expecting good things, but not even some full frontal <laughs> J-Lo could save this. Give it two balls down. Really? Wow. Okay. Look, like I said, it wasn't the best thing ever, but, you know, Poontang. So, whatever. There we go. All so. right. 
Nice to know that in the rank ordering of what Poontang is in the your family, you are higher up Irregular, the yes, than yes. Ash. Not something I would have predicted. Jonas Lander said, Green Room might have made top 21st century thrillers, scary, Jean-Luc, and so intense. Have you seen Green Room? No, I don't think I have. Okay, all right. Matt Evans said, Inside. Another patron of the show. Thank you, Matt, for your support. When are they going to give Defoe an Oscar? Oh, yeah. is that the one where he's, he's in the- He's trapped in yeah, a, yeah, he's yeah. a thief yeah, or some okay, shit. Cool. Yep. And then last three to wrap it up today, Jesse Dixon, Die Hard, worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> ever. It was a piece of shit. I think I've seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> Stu from the Stuart Oil Podcast said, They Clone Tyrone is a rad sci-fi meets comedy meets social commentary flick with three excellent lead performances that shows Netflix original movies sometimes really get it right. Sure, sure. And lastly, Jay Tolbert said, I get behind your show because I'm not allowed to listen to you at work. Don't know why. Anyway, <laughs> your comment about David Lynch, I would normally agree with. He said, sorry, Paul. Mm. There are some words that should not go together and they are Dizzy presents David Lynch, the straight story. Really awesome though. Back when he was married to Sissy Spacek, Spacek, Spacek? Spacek. a little slow, but a total recommend. Turns out he wasn't married to Sissy Spacek, but uh, his friend was. But anyway, there you go. Straight story, hard recommend from Jay Talbot to wrap up this week's episode of The Countdown. Thank you so much for joining us in this sort of weird area. In between the two kind of thing. So two popular episodes returning. We'll be back soon, folks. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks from now with new episodes. Thank you so much for staying with us. We hope you will. We hope you've enjoyed today. Wayne, how did the good folk get in touch with us and let us know how angry they are about not new episodes coming out? <laughs> uh, search for us on social media. Oh, sorry. Search us on Google and you'll get our social media feed. Send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or at our website, thecountdownpodcast.com. We are on G- no on Twitter at the countdown. But sorry, X. Gonna give it to you uh, <laughs> at the countdown PC. Like and follow the show through Podman we host, and check out the Facebook community links in the show notes, as mentioned, as well as Wayne said our website where Patreon and all the rest of the stuff there. And that is it from us today. Thank you for so much joining us, and I hopefully we back alive and well in two weeks to continue the show. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne, and this has been the Soundboard. For uh, just yeah, cooling your jets next week. We'll catch you in two. Love you. See ya.